Welcome to another episode of the Grow My Clinic podcast. My name is Ben Lynch. Today, we have a special guest, Melanie McGrice. Melanie is a fertility and prenatal dietitian. She runs online programs on prenatal nutrition for mothers-to-be. She's also the host of the Nourish with Melanie YouTube channel. She's the founder of Nutrition Plus Women's Nutrition Clinics, which provides specialist fertility and prenatal nutrition support around Australia. Melanie is also an ambassador for Compassion's Mums and Bubs Nutrition Clinics with the Nutrition Plus team sponsoring one in Tanzania. She's also a media spokesperson for the Dietitians Association of Australia. In this episode, we cover some really good ground, and what caught my attention about Melanie was her branding, her marketing, her education in this niche. There are two big things that really caught my attention here. Number one was Melanie's very structured and purposeful hiring process. Perhaps after many years of experience and mistakes and learning from them, Melanie goes into a bit of detail here about how she now starts to hire the right talent to get on board her bus, on board her business. Number two is really tapping into her motivation to share her message through her marketing, her education externally. She does this really well. And one of the common things that I hear from health professionals that we've really documented a lot over this podcast is content and producing content. For whatever reason, a lot of health professionals fear it or they're challenged by it. Melanie is out there sharing her message, sharing the expertise and training and skills that she has. And I found it interesting to tap into how she's able to do that, why she does it, the motivation for it. And there's some real pragmatics around perhaps how you might be able to combine what you're already learning in your CPD, continuing professional development, how that might double up as some of your content. And we look at the structure behind how she's systemized her ability to produce content. So we're going to dive in. I hope you get some practical gold. Take notes and reflect on your top takeaway out of this podcast. Enjoy. This is the Grow My Clinic podcast by Clinic Mastery, where we help you deliver amazing client experiences to grow your clinic. Melanie, welcome to the podcast. I am so honored to be here, Ben. You are such a guru. <laughs> Stop it. You know how to make me blush. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to have you on because what caught my attention from the work that you do is how good you do content for a health professional. We've spoken about <laughs> content in general. See, I've returned the flattery right back at you. But we've talked a lot about content on this podcast through the episodes. We've had various content experts. And we will come to diving into the content that you do and the brand that you've built, the education and marketing that you've done to really serve the niche that you work in. But before we go into that, I'd love to start with a bit of an origin story. Everyone loves to know, like, did you rise up like a phoenix? Where did your business <laughs> journey kind of start? Give us some context and then we'll navigate the discussion from there. Well, I actually think they're two different stories, Ben. Okay. Um, one around the 
content and lessons and then one around the business lessons. Cool. So in terms of content lessons, I think to me that's a big part of what a healthcare professional is. You know, our job is to look at the science and be able to put it into layman's language so that the everyday person can understand it. And that's one of the things that I love doing about being a healthcare professional. I love looking at the research and the reasons why. And it frustrates me when people are just giving out information because they've got a N equals one. They uh, have just tried something and that they thought up out of thin air and uh, gave it a crack and now are preaching it to the world. Whereas, you know, we actually get in and look at that science and then translate it for our clients. But um, I've always loved to communicate. I think it's just uh, one of those innate things. Um, I've always enjoyed writing and speaking so much to the point that when I was at university, I'd actually decided that I was going to be a dietitian when I was in year nine. Wow. But by the time I was getting closer and closer to graduating high school, I was really torn about whether I did dietetics, which I'd always planned to do, or whether I went and did journalism or public relations or something along that path. And so right throughout all of my university years, they were the areas that I worked in. Right. Um, and I actually took a year off and worked in media and, and PR for a year because I still wasn't sure before I actually did my Masters of Dietetics. And then I was like, nope, I'm going to do my Masters because I want to be the person giving credible information as opposed to just the person interviewing anybody willy-nilly. And yes. uh, so I did my Masters, became a dietitian, and, and then I was very fortuitous because just after I graduated, the Dietitians Association of Australia opened up their media spokesperson program. And because I'd worked in media, I was able to get straight into that program. And then that really helped to continue to grow my media experience. Wow. So you naturally had an interest, passion, perhaps a natural skill in media and content production and really have found your voice, so to speak, in your professional career sharing that. So then give us the evolution of the the professional business side of things. When you graduate, you get out, when did the sort of the business side of you start to evolve? When did you know you might have had an entrepreneurial streak? <laughs> well, again, you know, whenever I'm putting on uh, either dietitians or even when I'm putting on students, I'm very big on helping people find their natural skill set because I believe that we're all unique and we're all different. And to me, dietetics and food, it's kind of the vehicle, like it's the topic but we need to be working in an area that we that are actual skill sets. So I see my skill set in in terms of business management and communication. They're my two strengths. Yes, I, I actually still work clinically to this day. I still work Saturdays um, at St Vincent's Hospital. I work in ICU and so forth to keep up my clinical yes. uh, training. But my my natural strengths are more so in communication and business management. And when I look right back into childhood, you know, I can really see that. And so I think that, yeah, for everyone, it's really important to look at what their natural giftings are. Mm. So, yeah, for me, I was always an organiser. I've never been somebody who's been good at you know, doing what I'm told to do. So working for someone else was just never going to work then. I think that's most business owners. They're terrible employees. Yep. 
So tell me, I'm really interested to pick up on a point there, especially around you have a real interest and desire to tap into the natural talents or skills of someone who joined your team or if a student maybe is doing work experience or observations in whatever capacity. I know it probably differs for each person like a patient, but could you give us a bit of an insight into, you know, the listeners here, hire team members, admin practitioners, what are some of the things that you do practically to try and understand that person so that you can help them maybe realize their potential or unlock their skills? Like, what do you actually do to go about that? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I think that I always say it's one of my greatest skill sets is hiring an amazing team. Cool. So there's not a lot of things that I do well, but uh, I think I'm quite good at reading people. And, and I think okay. as a dietitian, one of the things that we really have to do is to be able to listen to people. So I think that's really important. Yeah. I do have a few different surveys, which I have started using over the years. And I must say, I'm becoming more and more stringent upon using them. Like I, I really think using some of those analytical tools, yes. like I love the disc profile. Um, yes. I love the book, the book Rocket Fuel. Um, I think that's fantastic. I love Myers-Briggs. And then there's another one that I got, uh, which is not so well known. It's called Network. And I have actually modified that myself to fit into dietetic type of roles. Nice. Um, so you're really yeah. you're quite purposeful. You're, you're quite structured in your hiring process. And that probably then sets you up really to succeed pretty well as a whole lot of stuff that happens after maybe the training and mentoring there, but you're quite systemized, quite purposeful about who you onboard into your team in the first instance. Yeah, more and more so now. Um, so I was a, a sole practitioner for around about seven or eight years and then I've been um, in business running a company now for coming up to 11 years now. Wow. And yeah, that's one of the areas that I've really strengthened is I'm becoming much more purposeful in who we put on. Yeah, amazing. That is awesome. We often talk about the importance of systems and people often say to us, you know, where do I start? And it's kind of like you can systemize anything from cleaning the bench tops <laughs> to putting the yeah. sign out the front, but to hear, okay, maybe people haven't thought of oh, maybe I should have some systems or reverse engineer what I have done to hire successfully, which is perhaps yeah. what you've done is you've realized, okay, maybe I've got a natural skill for this, but maybe I could create some structure around it, some objectivity around it so that I give it the best yeah. shot. Yeah, very much so. I mean, when it comes to employing people, you want to be working with people who've got similar values to you. Yes. Um, and then the next layer out is putting the right person in the right role because yes. they need, I think, you know, for people to really enjoy their work and therefore, you know, when people are enjoying their work, they're going to work at, at a higher level, then they need to be doing something that they love. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And then, so you, you started in business. When did you, like, did you have like an official first business that you started or was it a bit of a evolution over time? Like, when did you start your first business? Uh, it's definitely been an evolution. Um, so, like I said, I started off as a sole practitioner 
Yep. And I did what most dietitians do, which is work at about seven different medical centres. Yes. So I used to work crazily massive hours. Um, so I'd work at the hospital in the morning from sort of 8.30 till 1, something along those lines. Yep. And then I'd give myself half an hour and I would eat while I drove to get to the clinic and it would be a different <laughs> clinic every day of the week. Wow. Um, this is one of the downfalls with dietetics is that unlike some other allied health practitioners, we don't need a lot. We can just walk into a room and, yes. and consult. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd go to a sort of a different hospital or a or a different medical clinic or whatever each day of the week and and then just see clients back to back until sort of eight o'clock at night and wow. um, you know I learned a lot during those years but it was a whole new process for me when I actually opened my first business so hired yeah. my own rooms and put on my own receptionist and started employing my own dietitian yes uh, and then and the next learning curve <laughs> wow so. and so when you look back maybe with, with a bit of a smile and humility in a way and you look back at the early version of you and your business journey what yeah. advice would you give to your younger self maybe a, a bit of a pearl of wisdom that you wish you'd knew sooner in your business journey like what comes to mind for you Oh my goodness, there are so many. Um, <laughs> a big list, but if you could maybe give a couple of principles that you said, you know, if I wish I'd known that, that would have changed the game yeah. for me. I think one of them is, which I still try and practice now, is to run your business the way you want it to be running in 10 years' time. Mm. So, or, you know, not even 10, it might be 20 or 30 years' time. So I train a lot of dietitians now and I often hear them say, oh, well, I'm just going to work here for a year So, and I'm going to do this just to quickly get in some money and then I'm going to go and do what I want to do. Yeah. Well, I really believe that you need to be starting exactly where you want to start now but in a smaller version of it. Once you've got that model right, then grow, 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 grow. But yes. there's no point doing something for quick money because otherwise you're putting all this effort of investment into time and money into something that isn't even where you want to end up. I love that. That That is a penny drop, aha sort of a moment I think for listeners is that we hear much the same that you think, well, I gather you're not in business for five minutes. You know, you're not, you're not looking to move on very quickly here, just in a general sense. You're trying to build something of substance. I love that distinction that you're saying is really stretch your thinking and operations yeah. to, you know, in three, five, ten years, whatever it is, start acting like that now, hold yourself to that standard, would you say? Like hold yourself to oh, that absolutely. Standard. So I always say that business is a marathon and not a sprint. And mm, love it. It really is. And so things like, you know, you're talking about systems. So many people think, oh, well, I don't need systems because I'm only a one-man band, whatever. Oh, if only I had done those systems back years ago. When you had time. <laughs> when you have time, exactly. Because no team, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I think putting those systems in early is such a good thing to do. Yeah, fantastic. And even that distinction of saying that maybe some people want to be sole operators and that's just 
they, they don't have any interest, desire. Maybe they're self-aware. They don't have a skill set to lead a team. They just want to be a sole operator. You can still have mm-hmm. systems to make your life a lot easier. That's what they're there to do. That's cool. And so as you've evolved in your business, professional career, you start developing a bit of a, a niche and interest in fertility. Is that right? Correct me if I'm wrong here, but you started to evolve and go down a specific path. How did yeah, that kind so, of really originate for you? Yeah, well, for years, I probably specialized in weight management. Okay. And I think the reason behind that was that I have really loved, again, that communication side of things. Like I love behavior change and counseling and that real behavior change side of dietetics. So I was seeing a lot of weight management clients. And I was also one of my jobs at the hospital because, again, all this time I've, I've actually worked at Box Hill Hospital for coming up to 20 years now. I was there as a student and got a new grad role there and I've actually just taken long service leave from there this year. So (laughs) I've been there a long time. That's that's awesome to know. 20 years. You would have seen some changes. Yeah. So, um, and and for most of it, one of the jobs that I've done there is work in the uh, obesity clinic where my average client was 200 kilos. Wow. And so I really had this special interest in weight management, which I loved. So one of the big turning points for me was that I wrote a book um, called The Pregnancy Weight Plan. And what uh, was the the instigation of this book was that so often when I asked women about when they started struggling with their weight, the answer would be after pregnancy. Ah. And so I really researched that and, and... yeah, anyway, cut a long story short, put the book out. And then there's a big part about fertility in the book as well. And so from there, I started being asked to speak on pregnancy and fertility. And I was getting clients in this area. And it was just like everything that I've been working towards over all these years came together for me, because I had found an area of dietetics that not very many people had worked in. There's certainly no one known in that area. It really resonated with me because I am currently a woman in my 40s and haven't been able to have children of my own. So I had been through that same emotional journey of not being able to have children the way a lot of my fertility clients had. Yes. Um, So I had that real rapport. And then knowing that I was making a difference and helping women like the more I read about it and researched it the more I discovered that what a woman eats in the lead up to conceiving during pregnancy and what she feeds her little one in this window that we often term the first thousand days actually impacts the genetic programming of our baby and goes on to influence their future health for chronic disease for the rest of their life. And so for me, I am now so motivated to get this message out there on how important great nutrition and a great healthy lifestyle is during this first thousand days. So totally motivated by it. (laughs) Absolutely. And I can see why as well when you, um, if we go back into that content side of things, that you have a real message that you want to get out. You You have something you're really motivated to share 
with the community, you've obviously done quite a bit of research into it and practice it. You start writing a book, which is a big form of publication and content, Mm -hmm. making that transition into sharing your message more publicly because it's something that uh, I certainly admire from afar, your ability to produce content and educate the community, health professionals and perhaps as well a bit of consumer-facing stuff. Mm -hmm. Tell us about sort of the evolution of you maybe diving in and creating content and starting the system process for doing that on a regular basis. Yeah, well, um, I think this is probably one of the themes of today's conversation. But again, I think once I started to systematise it, that has helped a lot. Mm. So I have always been, like I said earlier, a big believer in researching and then staying up to date with the evidence and communicating and so forth. But over the last few years, I've really systematised it. So now we have a weekly journal club that goes out to healthcare professionals. We have my YouTube channel, so I've got a YouTube video that goes out each week. This year I've just added on two Facebook Lives a week. I've got my social media. So, like, I started with one and then would slowly add in another one and add in another one. But by putting things out on that weekly basis has meant that I have had to put time aside in my schedule to research that and produce it. And it's really helped me. That's awesome. So coming back to the pragmatics, you actually Mm. time block in your diary time where you're going to do research, which is par for the course for any health professional, they're doing CPD. You just naturally have to do it to stay registered, but also to practice best practice. And then you're converting essentially the lessons, the distinctions that you've made into content. And you're using, you know, maybe some layperson's terminology or you're bringing together some of those uh, jargon terms and the nuances of research into a way that people could understand it and perhaps apply it which I think is a brilliant way to go about it because often health professionals don't know where to begin with content. And it's like, well, you're doing all this research anyway to stay up to date. Maybe translate your lessons, your learnings into content. And that's what you've done. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, that's right. I have to say, I always find it interesting when I hear other, well, more so dietitians, say that they struggle to get their number of CPD hours each year. And I would, like, I probably do that number of CPD hours in a month, if not a week. (laughs) So I think one of the advantages of doing all this research is that rather than just giving a more generic type of responses to clients, like what's your portion sizes, because not only do you have to learn the information, but you have to make it make sense in your own brain and then memorise it to be able to present it. Uh, it's almost like doing an oral exam, I always think. Oh, it means yeah. that when I'm seeing clients, that my information to them is a lot more specific. Uh-huh. Um, and so it also then helps to build up my confidence to be able to get better results with my clients as well. It just translates across so many different things. Like you said, when it comes time and you're on the spot with a patient, you're able to give the specifics that they need to implement and create change in their life. You're also then able to put out Mm -hmm. content that then builds the brand and attracts the right people. Even if 
someone's listening and they're a practitioner, they don't actually own a clinic. They work for someone. You're an employee or a contractor. Often people have some form of special interest or niche, a demographic, a type of condition that they're interested or more drawn to. And mm-hmm. I think what you've been able to do with certainly a lot of PR opportunities, speaking in the media, um, speaking to various groups about this specialty interest and skill set that you have, it's largely due to the fact that you've produced content, you've also studied it, you've learned it, but sharing that content publicly, at least in my perspective, has built quite a brand for you and perhaps attracted a lot of this demographic that you deal with and love to work with. Would you agree with that That brand, that marketing that you've done has been helpful in attracting people? Oh, very much so. And I actually think that it's about getting the content out there first and then the opportunities do come to you because you're known as an expert in that industry. And like you were asking earlier about information that I would have loved to have given to my younger self, (laughs) I think niching, uh, I I think that's one of the best things that the healthcare professional can do because, again, you know, we can't be experts at everything. And, And, yes, we need to know everything generally, But the more that you really niche down, not only does that really help you to build a brand, but it also really helps in terms of the detail that you're able to give your clients. And so when it comes to fertility, I feel like I'm able to give my clients a absolute gold star service. Whereas if I have a client come to see me about, I don't know, like um, sports nutrition or aged care or something, yes, I know generally, but Sure. Uh, nowhere near am I able to give them the same type of level of expertise as I am around fertility. Absolutely. And I know sometimes people can say, well, you know, I'll box myself into a hole and I'll, I won't be able to see all these people in the community or serve them. But it's like, well, hold on, you know, I see you connected with some of the, you know, preeminent doctors and specialists in that area or even community and support groups because they're like, well, you can give a five-star, it's not a three-star level of service or intervention. So you all of a sudden then start to build gravity in that network, in that community, and it actually grows even more so. So I I love that. That's awesome. And at the moment, tell us a little bit about the, the work that you do with providing education and transcending that stuff that you know, that you're an expert in, to help health professionals. I understand you do some education or you provide resources to health professionals to use. Could you share a bit of light on what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am a big believer in working together. And sometimes I think, you know, part of the nature of becoming, of working in allied health is that it attracts the type of person who tends to get very high marks and so tends to be naturally competitive. And (laughs) look, I agree, I have a competitive nature as well. But one of the things that I've really learned is how important it is for us to work together. And the reality is, is that I'm not competing against a dietitian working in Queensland or even somebody, even another dietitian working in Melbourne. Like there's a big enough target market and there's enough women out there who are trying to have babies or who are pregnant out there that there needs to be more than just one dietitian working in the area. 
And so I think the more that I can encourage other dietitians to work in this area, the mm. more then that other allied health and other obstetricians and other fertility specialists and GPs will start referring, which will only yes. help to grow my business. So it's because of those reasons that we created a bit of a model where we provide, like I said, our journal club um, to healthcare professionals who are interested in early life nutrition. We have quarterly webinars, which are free, which again are available to healthcare professionals who are interested. Uh, we've got one coming up this week on type 1 diabetes and how that impacts pregnancy, which will be really interesting. Um, we've got a, another speaker coming to speak at that, but we host them. And then we have a three-day training, mainly for dietitians, that we run once a year. And then we've got also we've got a nutrition centre that we support in Tanzania as well. So not only am I trying to, or our team trying to make a difference in Australia, but we're we're really I mean the world's so small these days, so we're trying to make yeah. that a area. That's amazing. I, I love to see as well some impact beyond you know the four walls of a clinic that uh, people are trying to do we've got some incredible people in the community who have some big ambitions with various charities or organizations so i love to love to hear those stories that you're looking to make an impact also beyond the four walls of your clinic that's that's incredibly noble and uh, all the best to to those endeavors so if, if there was one piece of advice, one sort of golden nugget that a listener tuning in today could take away from your story, your experience in business and as a health professional in business, what would you impart to them today to take away and implement or change about the way they're doing things? Oh, Ben, one piece. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would probably be what we mentioned earlier, and that is to look at your unique skill set and focus on what your gifts are because everyone is different. And by having people who have all these different amazing skill sets then working together, that to me is what creates an ocean to be able to really make a difference. So, for example, you know, you're amazing podcaster like you're an influencer for a whole range of different allied health practitioners you're skilled in systems um, so they're all things that I can learn from you um, and you're very generous to be teaching those skills and I must say you know I love listening to your podcasts and so forth I learn a lot okay. from them and so I think it's about getting people with different skills and yeah mm -hmm. all kind of working together to be heading towards the direction that we want to be going, which is, you know, really who comes a, a allied health practitioner other than people who want to make a difference in the world? Uh, like that's really the reason behind all of us becoming, you don't do it to make money, <laughs> really. <laughs> you do it to help other people. For sure. I've surveyed so many dietitians and the answer is always, I just want to help other people. Yeah. That's why I became dietitian too so absolutely absolutely and i'll pay you i think we agreed 650 dollars for the compliment there at the end uh <laughs> <laughs> no i appreciate yeah, it we started nice. we started with a bit of flattery and uh, ended on that but truly there's admiration
conversation, I think, both ways, which I, which I love. If, if we can have more health professionals passionate about an area of health that they can make an impact for, sharing it with the community through their marketing, which is education, it's sharing how you can help people, the little one percenters that we take for granted as maybe masters or experts in our field, people out there in the community, the healthier lives they can live. We make a huge, huge impact, uh, at least in their world and maybe hopefully on a bigger scale, especially if you're doing some charitable work like you are. Thank you so much for your time today, uh, Melanie. It's been incredible. I think there's a whole bunch of pearls of wisdom here to go back on and people can go back and listen to this recording a few times, I think, and really pick out some things and apply them in your own life and business because this is what we're here to do is share the experience of others. You get more experience in the years through listening to other yeah. people who have been there. Melanie, thank you yeah, so much. Sorry, just before we wrap up, if I can just say one more thing sure. just on that last thought is that um, one of the things that we have done is we've created some online programs. So we've got an online fertility nutrition program and we've got an online fertility pregnancy program. And, and I know that a lot of allied health practitioners do see clients who are trying to conceive or who are pregnant. And to me, this would be a great uh potential source of income in that we love to provide affiliate fees for other allied health practitioners. So say, for example, you had a pregnant client and you recommended our program and, and they bought it, then we'd actually give you 30% of, of the total cost for all we have to do is recommend it. So to Fantastic. me, again, that's you know, using our different skill sets and, and so forth um, to be able to help one another. That's brilliant. I mean, most clinics will have various products or widgets, pieces of equipment, resources that they sell maybe off the shelf, let's say. This is just something similar but more in a digital form that people can tap into, provide for their clients, and in return, there's always a margin there for the clinic owner as well. That's awesome. Yeah. What a great resource. And we'll have the links here uh, alongside the recording so you can access them. Click of a button. As always, the show notes will be over on clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. If you have any feedback or reviews on this episode, please leave them nearby. Melanie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. No, thanks so much for having me on, Ben. I really appreciate it. Awesome. We'll see you on another episode of the Grow My Clinic podcast very soon. This is the Grow My Clinic podcast by Clinic Mastery, where we help you deliver amazing client experiences to grow your clinic.